author Charles Clark, a science fiction writer, science writer, futurist, inventor, undersea explorer, and co-writer of the 1968 film, 2001, A Space Odyssey said, any sufficiently advanced technology is equivalent to magic. Welcome to Tea, Toast and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. Today, we are working magic by bringing together Horvu, Finland, Montclair, New Jersey, and Vancouver, British Columbia. Elizabeth Vandermeer and Dave Astor have joined me in connecting three time zones within seconds to bring you a discussion on why should we read the books we do not want to read? We are entering a new adventure in podcasting here at Tea, Toast and Trivia. Thank you to Elizabeth and Dave for taking the plunge with me. And a very special thank you to Don, my techie, who is in the background making this happen. Thanks, Don. Welcome, Elizabeth. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Rebecca. Nice to be with you again. Hello. Greetings from Finland. Can you believe we're doing this? I can't. This is exciting. It's very exciting. Yes. And I feel like we're in a science fiction novel like you just mentioned before. Who would have known that Arthur Clarke knew the future that was happening right now? Some science fiction writers are amazingly prescient, uh, if that's the way to pronounce it. You're amazed at how they can figure things out, and decades later you realize they sometimes were right. I'm going to ask a question, and I'm going to ask you first, Elizabeth. How do you choose the books you read? I choose the books I read, mostly guided by my blog, what I want to write about. But if I go on vacation or some other occasion, I will choose other books to read. And those books are often ideas that I get from other bloggers, from Instagram, or that I see in the bookshop when I'm there. Some books keep popping up. I don't know if you recognize this, but I have that very much with books. And when I see them repeatedly coming up on my Twitter feed or on my Instagram, I think, hmm, maybe this is a book for me. And that's how I choose. Isn't it interesting how we use social media as a way to bring out something that's new that we would have never thought of before? It's connection without actually meeting up with someone. And Dave, as a blogger on Dave Astor on Literature, you have brought out many books that have inspired people to read. How did you come to that? I guess the books that I've enjoyed myself, I guess like any reader, you kind of want to share that. And that's one reason why I started a literature blog to write about books I liked and then to see what other people thought. But it turned out to be a totally two-way street where the people who comment under my blog will mention books that make me want to read those books. So I'm constantly getting recommendations from people. And I'd say about Two-thirds of what I read nowadays are novels that were recommended by the commenters under my blog. So I really appreciate that. The other third or so books, I might choose them because I read a certain author before and I want to read more of that author if I like them. Sometimes I'll see stuff on, on Facebook 
I'll get recommendations from friends or family. And once in a while, I'll, I'll just be in a library or bookstore, at least pre-COVID, and pick out books at random that kind of strike my fancy. So the question becomes, do we need to embrace a new reading experience? And is it easy to do so? And although we are guided by other people in our sphere of influence, Elizabeth, how do you read something that you don't want to read? I wouldn't say that I read books that I don't want to read. It's more like I would read books that I'm not always thinking that I might like. And then it turns out that it's something that I like. I am guided in, in that sense mostly by what friends online are recommending or people that I trust, like Dave, for instance, and his blog. If he recommends something, I will, will probably enjoy it as well. So that is how I expand, in that sense, my horizon with books. And another thing I find helpful in that respect is sometimes I join a book club online. And probably the one that I join is about Russian literature, but it's about modern Russian literature, which is not something that I read a whole lot of. So I find that very challenging and interesting to, to, get, uh, to get into those books, which I wouldn't necessarily normally buy or read. So what you're saying is that you don't vet the book. You vet the recommendation from someone else. So you are actually trusting the person who recommends it. Dave, you have seen that many times. When someone recommends it on your blog, for instance, the latest one that I noticed that you were reading, well, starting several months ago, was about Scotland. The Outlander series, which is set in Scotland, that was definitely recommended on my blog and it took me a while to get to it. And then I got so hooked that I read all eight books, so which took me about three or four months through the first part of the pandemic. I, that was that recommendation kind of hit the jackpot. To refer to what Elizabeth was saying, uh, when Elizabeth and at least one or two other people recommended The Master and Margarita, which is a 20th century Russian novel, I figured they know their stuff and I read that and I loved it few better novels starring the devil, you know. <laughs> when I read Russian literature, I've mostly read 19th century Russian literature, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, Turgenev. Russian names are not the most easy to pronounce, but it's Turgenev. Okay, Turgenev. I totally botched it. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Well, to tell you the truth, I didn't know how to do Onyegin, so I called it Wonjin. <laughs> I had to practice and practice. <laughs> Both of you, Elizabeth and Dave, have invited me to read something new. Elizabeth, your guidance through Eugene Onegin helped me to understand what was actually happening. You had a, a series of posts on that that I followed very carefully. Not only do we have people that help us choose a book, but they help us through the actual process of understanding what is happening. Could you speak to that? And why did you choose to do a series on Eugene Onegin? That uh, the book Eugene Onegin is typically a book that uh, especially first-time readers may find very um, difficult to understand, not because it's such a difficult subject or, or because it's written in verse, but purely because uh, Pushkin makes so many references in that work to his own life, to, to the society at the moment, that may make it kind of difficult to understand to its 
fullest. So if you have someone to guide you through it, you will appreciate it so much more than if you just read it without any additional information. And I think in general, that is something that I like to do with my blog to kind of help people along. I noticed that for a lot of people, there is a hurdle when it comes to Russian literature, that there's going to be something difficult that they have to get over it. It's all about life as we know it even nowadays. Only the people have different names and they lived only a slightly different life, but they had the same emotions and everything. So I think that it's a huge shame if people miss out on Russian literature just because they cannot get themselves over that hurdle. And that's kind of what I try to do with my blog, and I hope that I sometimes succeed with that. Well, you succeeded with us, Don and I. We listened to Eugenio Yegin. Libraries give audiobooks now, which are wonderful. Who was it that was the person who did the translation? James E. Phelan. So it was the James E. Phelan translation. What I especially appreciated about Eugenio Yegin, it was a poem. And what helped me was being with you and your recommendation on the translator, plus reading the poem along with the audio. And that brought it all together. So there was a visual plus an audio component to that. And the idea of what you gave me was really important to me. Yes, it can sometimes help very much if you have an audio version, especially with poetry. If you have a person who reads it well, it can really bring it more to life and make it more sense even than, than when you're just reading it. The first time I went on your blog, Dave, I was overwhelmed by the amount of books you have read over your lifetime. And it wasn't only one style. It was a broad spectrum. You even took a look at Nancy Drew for me. Remember that? Yes, The Secret of the Old Clock, which I enjoyed a lot. I mean, I never read Nancy Drew. I just was so curious after you discussed it and feel like I, I'm no longer culturally deprived. <laughs> it's really well done for what it, what it is. I mean, it's a children's novel, and in some ways it's predictable, but in other ways it's just really cleverly done, and I can see how someone who's, you know, 10 or whatever would just be thrilled to read it. Dave, you have a broad range of discussions. You bring out the past to the future, there's everything on your blog. And what you do is bring us to a place where we think, what have we read? For instance, in your latest blogs, you go to 1840, the books that were written there, uh, the 1940s, the books that were written there, and all of us are scurrying around. I, I really do scurry around the internet just to do the research after I read your blogs, because then it helps me remember for instance, even Catcher in the Rye, I had forgotten that I had read it when I was young and that I reread it when I was older. Both times gave me a different impression. So it goes to the idea of our reading journey starts young, but it does progress over the years. Could you speak to how that has affected your life? When you start reading as a young person, sometimes it's just the luck of the draw, what kind of parents you have if they're readers and they encourage you to read. 
if they are not real readers, maybe you would get encouragement to read from teachers, from visits to the library. Ideally, when one gets older, one never loses one's curiosity about trying different books. You can get a little bit into a rut. I, I just have always liked a variety, whether it's a very literary novels, mass audience novels, different genres. It just makes reading more fun and interesting. And again, the blog has people recommending books in that respect because everybody has different reading likes and, and tastes. And there's just so, so much out there that one might not know about until you're told about it. So the two of you, how did you meet? Let's start with Elizabeth. I'm not sure, but we must have met through the blog. It was already years ago that I started to follow Dave, or maybe Dave started to follow me. Anyway, we were following each other, and I always thought it was fun to add a little Russian literature to his uh, comments. When I was reading Dave's blog posts, I would look at my bookshelves, which books are matching his uh, subject. <laughs> and it was always great fun. What I like most still about Dave's blog is probably the commentary. It makes such a lively conversation, like your podcast. He instigates something and then a, the whole lot of other people are, are starting to comment on it and to, to make their own impressions of it. Yeah, I guess with WordPress, uh, Elizabeth's a Russian Affair blog and my blog are both WordPress blogs as are yours, Rebecca. That blog platform has a way of introducing bloggers to each other. You, you might see something on your feed or someone follows you, so you follow them. Somehow, all of us met through WordPress and its algorithms and, and so on. I have read some Russian literature, but not as uh, maybe I would have liked to. So when I saw Elizabeth's blog, it was like a revelation, just a, a total expert on Russian literature. And Elizabeth focuses on 19th century Russian literature, which was basically one of the most amazing creative periods of any group of writers in any country in the history of the world. Just an incredible time to be a reader and an author, I guess. I think what the blogging community has given us is a way to connect virtually. We become a family. And our encouragements come from the people that are out there. And there is a kindness that it pervades and a serendipity that pervades. I have no idea how I became involved in your blogs. I just know that they have added so much to my life. Elizabeth, the book I am reading that I would have never read had it not been for your recommendation is Three Apples Fall from the Sky. Yes, uh, that was a book that uh, that I think I, I put it out on my Instagram, where I where I do feel free to put in uh, some other books that are not 19th century Russian literature. Uh, this is an uh, Armenian writer who lives in Moscow, and she wrote this story about a group of villagers who are living in this completely remote village, living their own lives. And all kinds of disasters happen to them, but, but still they keep their positivity and their uniqueness. And uh, it's a very interesting, different kind of book. I liked it a lot. It's very quirky, very uplifting. And I'm very curious to hear uh, what did you think of the book, Rebecca? I am amazed. I am overwhelmed by the amount of knowledge that went into that book. It is something that I think everyone should read. 
no one understands what it's like to go through famine. No one understands what it feels like to be without a loved one so quickly removed. And I thought that the ability of the author to create a holistic and almost positive way of writing was extraordinary and certainly a good book for this time. You know, we are in a very difficult time, no question about it, but we have always, humanity has always had problems and it's how our resilience is built. And I believe that a lot of that is taken in by our writers. Writers give us the soul of who we are as a society. And if we do not extend our reading to other societies, we will always be in our own little box. And we need to get out of that box. So yes, that book was great. Dave, you gave me the Aspirin Papers by Henry James. And out of that came a quote that I really now admire about Henry James. He said, there are three things that are important in life. The first one is to be kind. The second one is to be kind. And the third one is to be kind. These people lived way before our time, but what they produced and what they created has become something that has a life of their own. It continues. And what we do today inspires others. So Dave, you gave me the aspirin papers. Why did you like that book? Henry James, I, I have mixed feelings about him. Sometimes he's fantastic. Sometimes he's a little boring. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the aspirin papers I liked a lot. First of all, it was relatively short. And with Henry James, when he writes short, it's, it's kind of this ideal length. It's set in Venice. It's a lovely place. And, and it's also sort of almost like a suspense novel, in addition to being a literary novel, where this person is trying to get a hold of the papers of a long dead writer through an aged woman who I guess had a relationship with that writer. Is he going to succeed? Is he not going to succeed? Is the woman going to see through his machinations? It's just very suspenseful. And I thought it concluded in a satisfying way. I was on my absolute seat, turning the pages to see where this was going. I could not believe the machinations, as you said, Dave, of this man to get the papers of a long dead important person and how he was able to say, you can't win in some cases and you win in other cases and who wins at the end. No spoilers here, everyone, but it was a great book and it was short. So I can see why you would say he had a propensity for long, long, long books. Yeah, especially later in his career, his last few, I guess, uh, masterpieces like uh, The Ambassadors and The Wings of the Dove were amazing books, but they were, you know, a challenge. <laughs> and listeners, now what I'm going to ask is Elizabeth and Dave how we should start a reading journey that takes us out of the comfort zone of what we have right now. Elizabeth, what do you think? I think if you're going to go out of your comfort zone, 
it is probably a good idea if you choose some books that uh, some people that you trust have read and recommend. These can be people in your in your life. They can be people in your online life. But I think that that is the easiest and safest way to get out of your comfort zone without without ending up with something that you, that you probably won't like, so that you will never never repeat the experience again. Dave, what do you think? I agree with what Elizabeth said, and also as part of that, when people recommend books from other countries uh, other than your own, I think uh, that's a real great way to get out of one's comfort zone to not just read literature of your own country, but to try to read literature of many countries, many continents, and you're just bound to get out of your comfort zone because you're just cultures that you don't know as well as your own. And sometimes you can get out of your comfort zone just by switching genres. Uh, you can read a science fiction book, a, a gothic horror novel, a detective novel, even from a novel to a short story collection or vice versa. In my case, I, I read a few F. Scott Fitzgerald novels, you know, The Great Gatsby, of course, and so on, and had never read his short stories. And someone on my blog recommended that, and I, I read a collection of his short stories, and they were... Some of them were fantastic, and I, I thought, wow, maybe that, that was his, his best uh, genre, even better than novels, except for The Great Gatsby, you know, where he just kind of nailed the short story format. Well, this is a bonus question for you, because I have always wondered if we should know the author before we read the book, or should we know the book before we read about the author? I think that maybe better to know the author a little bit, to know where they are from. But sometimes it can be very nice to be surprised. I try not to read too much about the content of a book before I read it, unless it's a classic and it's, of course, well known how it how it ends or what happens. With new books, I try to get into it as unprejudiced as possible. <laughs> I do too. Sometimes I'm like terrified when there's a forward or an introduction to a book. They kind of give away too much. So whenever I have a novel with that, I always skip it and then read it after I finish the book. <laughs> what I liked about both of your suggestions to me, The Aspirin Papers and um, Three Apples Fall from the Sky, is to learn a little bit about the author that was behind it. Uh, just recently, I read Wuthering Heights again. Now, a lot of people like Wuthering Heights. I enjoyed it, but it was a very difficult book for me to read because I was really into it, and I understood what that meant to go through it. What I appreciated about Wuthering Heights was meeting the author, Emily. How she was able to write that book is beyond me. The depth of emotion, of experience, of everything that she put into that book, how did she know? How did she understand the type of character she wrote about. And I think that is about all of writing. There is a gift of writers that understand more about the human spirit and the human condition, and they are able to express it in ways that we understand and resonate within our lives. And we take away that thought in our hearts and souls, and we move on. And for you, Elizabeth, how do books influence your life? Books influence my life very much. I, I cannot imagine a life without books. I have always been a reader and 
for me, this is like what I like to do before I go to sleep. I read, I read for my blog and I always enjoy if a book makes you think about life. A lot of things you can experience through books already before they happen in your own life. Like things that are very difficult. If you have read about this in a book already, then you have a little bit of the ability to cope with such a thing when it happens to you in real life. That's something that I believe in very strongly, which to me is a little bit of life experience that is shared in a very positive way. I mean, it's very important reading books. Uh, absolutely. Basically, finding out the way different authors think, whether living or deceased, learning things about history. And as you say, also learning about authors. I mean, after I read a novel by an author, I might then read about the author themselves. And that's also educational just to see what they went through, what kind of life they lived, how that kind of life might have influenced their, their writing. Emily Bronte, for instance, she's kind of almost a puzzle. She was sort of reclusive like Charlotte and Anne, her sisters. She wrote Wuthering Heights when she was in her 20s. And you just wonder how someone has all that emotional knowledge and creativity. Just one of those mysteries. All three of them were very talented writers who somehow pulled it off without being world travelers and being so young. Elizabeth and Dave, you bring us the world of books and you bring it in such a way that it is a joy to come and talk and discuss. You both are very generous in how you engage and you allow the conversation to unfold in ways that really inspire others to read and to connect and to contribute. What I want everyone to know is how important you and what you do is to our community and to the world. Every time we write something that gives hope or gives us solace in a time of difficulties. And to me, that is what books are all about. On the basic level, reading novels is entertaining. It passes the time. And even if you don't learn a darn thing, it's still a nice way to spend the time, but learning something, as you often do, is a bonus. Everything you said, Rebecca, is what you do as well with your blogs and your podcasts, so thank you for that. Thank you, Dave. Any last words, Elizabeth? I wanted to say also that I agree with Dave that the, the main factor with books is, of course, to be entertained in this time also is super important, that you have a little bit of fun and escape from reality. And I think that the blogging community and the Instagram community, book, Twitter, they're all very good ways to extend your horizon if you are looking for something new to read that you were not thinking of before. Thank you for joining Elizabeth, Dave, and me on Tea, Toast, and Trivia, listening in to the very first podcast that has three people online joining three different time zones. Finland and New Jersey and British Columbia come together. And a very special thank you to Elizabeth and Dave for adding your insights and suggestions on how to embrace books that you never thought you would read. You can connect with Elizabeth on A Russian Affair and you can connect with Dave on Dave Astor on Literature. These are fabulous blogs and great conversations. And there is always 
an adventure in reading Waiting for Your Arrival on Elizabeth and Dave's blogs. And until next time, dear friends, be safe and be well.